You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, I, I always feel like we have to give uh, our listeners who we love so much fair warning. And my fair warning is, I think we're going in the weeds today. Uh, we mean worse than usual worse than usual okay let me say this but you stop me interrupt me as soon as i have this wrong in california there is a case going on and what it seems to relate to is john eastman who acted as lawyer for president trump even though he never like signed a letter of engagement. He said he was the lawyer. So he's saying there is attorney-client privilege on emails or other things like that. The House uh, committee investigating January 6th is saying, no, that privilege doesn't exist because the privilege is not there if the client and the lawyer were engaged in a conspiracy or the committing of of a crime. And we think we have sufficient evidence that you can make, I'm taking this word right from the document, the inference that a conspiracy or crime might have occurred. Therefore, we have laid out how that process might go on and attorney-client privilege should not accrue or benefit or be a part of how did i do you think i'm close on that yeah i think you're pretty close i mean one of the questions is why is this in california as opposed to dc because this has to do with the subpoena that the select committee issued to eastman eastman has said that as you as you reported that those are attorney client privilege documents those documents were created are held as it were on the server for Chapman University where Eastman is the professor and so which is in California I, I think I said that so um, that's why the case ends up there um, because Eastman is saying you can't have these documents they're Chapman's documents they're, you know but they're privileged so that's just kind of a complicated issue of you know, can Chapman claim the privilege when, um, and can East or can Eastman claim the privilege when they're really Chapman's documents? So that is really, really in the weeds. But they still could be privileged even if they were created on Chapman's server. It was my understanding from something that Shifty Shift said yesterday it was the court that asked the committee's lawyers, is there a crime, a fraud, a crime fraud um, exemption to the attorney-client privilege here? So that was interesting to me. And I, you know, I, um, you know, blame myself, but I did not read the pleadings yesterday because I was like, oh, oh. my. So yeah. you, you did though, right? But did I get the, uh, I did get the impression that in, in a sense, it was 
the action was initiated in California, not by the committee, but by by the court. But well, no, a court can't just like, you know, have a case to respond. It was very unusual. You have to have a case in controversy. But it was Eastman that moved the thing to California, Eastman and Chapman University. But what I can't understand is on is Chapman on Eastman's side or there. See, I got the impression that Chapman was ready to turn the documents over. Eastman sued to stop them from turning the documents over. That was my impression. But all that being said, what the what the committee did to get the documents, to get a, this court to release the documents to say there's no attorney client privilege because these guys were involved in a criminal conspiracy, as you said. The thing that's so interesting about it, John, is it's the it feels to me like the committee strategy is to get documents into the public realm, you know, through these filings. And even if they never get the documents, they've got a lot of the documents from the other side. So in a sense, do they really need what Chapman is holding of Eastman's documents? Or is just just a way to make sure the new, the people, you know, more importantly, the Justice Department is signaled, this is what we have. And a lot of what was released yesterday, and this was so fascinating, that I did read in the post, I don't know if you read that, was the exchange between Eastman and Pence's lawyer, or that guy's name, I think Jason Miller or something. No, he's the one who's close to Trump, whatever uh, Pence's lawyer is. And the (laughs) their email exchange is like, this is insane. This could be um, a movie or a book or something where Eastman is trying to convince him, you know, this is legal to do. This is what the Constitution allows. And Pence's lawyer is like, are you insane? And they're like, that is not right. And you are basically encouraging. I mean, what did he refer to Trump as? Like, he said, are you feeding it, feeding the snake or feeding the serpent or something like that? And they all know Trump and they know you can get crazy stuff into his head. And then he acts on it. And at one point, there's a discussion on well, you, whether you can pull Trump back and, um, is it Pence's lawyer that says, you know, once you get something in his head, you can't get it off? And I'm like, whoa, you know, it, in a sense, with all things Trump, it's it's shocking, but not surprising. And no, all the way up to the, the insurrection is going on and and Eastman is blaming Pence and and this lawyer for causing insurrection by not going along with their crazy plan. Right. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And I. I want to focus on two things that, if I understand it, is what the House lays out in those documents. And it is, what it's laying out is why it believes there is potential guilt there. I'm fascinated by the one phrase that the evidence, I think it says provides an inference or supports an inference. Uh, But it focuses in on first, did Donald Trump know for sure early on that he had not won the election, but continued to claim that and to take actions in support of that? In which case, it's suggesting that Donald Trump 
is guilty of fraud because he, he's doing the same thing he did with Trump University, essentially. He knew it wasn't true, but nevertheless, he pushed out. That was number one. And number two is, did he conspire to interfere with the actions of uh, the Congress to certify the election, an official action of the United States? And that feels to me like the committee is signaling to the Justice Department, we're lawyers too, and we think these are the two things that the evidence will support. Does that make sense? It does. And I also was fascinated by them laying out their case for why Trump knew. I mean, I think that we've all assumed um, that Trump's defense was going to be, well, I really thought I won. And, you know, there was evidence that I won. And of course, you know, timing being what it is, you also have Barr out there um, hawking his book. You know, he's got this interview with Lester Holt in which he says, you know, he told Trump, no, you lost. And Trump got really, really angry at him. And that's when he got fired, rehired, fired, and all that was going on. So what, what it appears to me that the evidence is, is that there is no way for Trump to say, I didn't know, or I believe, I had a good faith belief that I won. And they laid out all the things that happened that they have evidence of. Because they either talk to these people or they have, they have documents laying out what Trump was told, when he was told it. And, you know, you're never going to have an email for Trump because he doesn't use email, right? You're never going to have a written statement like, yes, I know I lost the election. But I think it's pretty clear that he did know he lost. You know, he's like, I, I had a client, I've had clients like this over the years. Where I go, How about we just say this? You know, yep. and so it's like Trump wants a thing to be true. And so he's like, OK, and then we can just do this. And doesn't the law like I talked to somebody yesterday, one of these like legal aid things. And the guy goes, can I just say I'm blind? I'm like, no, sure. You can just say it. But that doesn't make a case. You know, mm-hmm. it, so it feels to me like that, like you had Trump just not whether he believed it or not was a little beside the point, John. You know, it's like we are going to make this thing be true by just saying it's true. And actually, I heard somebody yesterday, and this might have been Shifty Ship, too, who said um, a big ego is, is not a legitimate reason for breaking the law. Now, that's a beautiful thing, because when you step away from it and when the history is written about this, isn't that what's going to said e- is going to be said? Trump's ego would not let him accept what he knew to be true. And then he found these people like Eastman who gave him a rationale to go forward um, to overturn the election. Words they use. That's not our words. Those are their words. And that is a really, really frightening, um, but maybe it is a little um, sui generis to Trump, right? You know, we say, could this happen again? Maybe it can only happen with someone like Trump because you have to be so deluded. And I'm going to draw another head-shaking moment in the news is you have to be as deluded as, as Vladimir Putin to think that you can invade Ukraine 
overturn their democracy and take that country. You know, these two men, it's no wonder they have an affinity for each other. They're as crazy one to the other. Well, they absolutely are. And, you know, listening to Putin's statements in the last day, well, listening all the way along, but in the last day really uh, has, has been perplexing because, you know, we hear with great fanfare and joy, uh, we're going to allow little uh, paths to let people get out. But by the way, our goal is to go in and over to, or take the government over and kick, kick them out. None of this goes together uh, at all. Uh, in, the fact of the matter is, I think what was heralded as a humanitarian thing is just in Russian self-interest. Let's get as many people out of those cities as we possibly can, and it'll be easier, easier for us to take them. No, it's, it's head shaking. We go around with head shaking all the time. We have a major, major sport, Major League Baseball, that wants to crush itself out of existence. That's head shaking to me. I'm in the fourth season of Ozark. That's head shaking. I got nothing but head shaking. <laughs> it's head shaking Friday. But, head but shaking I... <laughs> Friday. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just took you off the point. No, 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 no. It's, it's true. There's a lot of head shaking, but no more, you know, the head is shaking no harder than a Trump, you know, no. and Putin both. And, and I just can't help but wonder, you know, whether it isn't just so much about ego and their, their view of the world, which does not include any thoughts, empathy, or regard for other human beings. That's the piece that I, it's very hard to understand. And it's, it's not, mental illness is the wrong way to say it, but it is some kind of personality defect. That well, don't, allow, we call, don't we call it sociopath? Yes, exactly. And that would allow you in Putin's case to um, be the author of millions of deaths and displacement and the destruction of a country because of your idea about history. And Trump's also to put at risk the entire American experiment because you can't stand to lose. And what is also interesting to me, John, is that these people, for whatever reason, can find other humans around them who are so um, enamored by power and wealth selfishness that they will be agents of that person's delusion i guess it's a, a tale as old as time but it just never stops amazing me honestly no, but frankly it's the way to lose your yacht <laughs> <laughs> oh my what did you say what did you say yesterday i think there's gonna be some yachts up for sale <laughs> yeah absolutely i'm looking yachts for and soccer teams okay i got I got to go and look at the listings for yachts and soccer teams. <laughs> All right. Talk Bye. to you later. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.